Okay, what does 2.3 years old mean? Two, oh my God, that made me laugh my two shit. Years, three oh, months. Two years, three months. Okay, that's what, but it just made me laugh again because I remember last time you said that, <laughs> I was so confused. And then like this time I was like, so she did like a head laugh, and then Rachel started laughing, and then Kimmy's looking. I'm like, "What is laughing?" I'm like, "What did I say now?" She's like, "Pacific car." I'm like, "Did I talk too fast?" I don't know. Hello, and welcome to Table for Five with no reservations. Take a seat at the table for a fresh, sweet, salty, tart, and pleasantly bitter conversation. Hello, and thank you for taking a seat at the table. We are in the midst of our back to school series. And tonight we're talking about our experience with the schools and our kids going to school overall. So tonight at the table, I have Rachel Flanagan. Hey, everybody. Tabitha. Hello. Jen. Hi, everyone. Kim. Hello. And I am Jamie. Jen, let's start with you. What has your experience been with school and Kaya going to school? So I'm going to keep it brief. <laughs> I want to first say that teachers and paras are fabulous. You know, you don't always have a great fit, but I think a lot of people, you know, when you have a behavioral child and you're struggling at home and people expect these people to be able to handle our children at school, it's like they're teachers. They're not, you know, so my point to that is that the system isn't necessarily designed for children like mine that are struggling in that aspect. Uh, kindergarten was disastrous. Grade one, they lost her on a field trip. Two parents found her knee deep in a pond unattended. She couldn't swim. So I made the six o'clock news for that one. <laughs> I mean, it was just one fumble after another in school. You know, you always hear stories about bullying. She was actually bullied by three boys who locked their arms together and cornered her. I actually witnessed it firsthand through a window outside as did a para who reported it. So, you know, all these things you hear about through school, it just wasn't a good fit. My daughter, through all this medication stuff, became epileptic. And so long story short, after many tried fails, um, the year before I pulled her, they stopped counting her absences at 119 days. She just refused to go to school. She was just in constant fight or flight. The moment she would we'd pull up to there, she would just, her anxiety, just she just heightened to a, a level that was just not doable for anyone. So I pulled her out. She now goes to a private school, knock on a lot of wood right now. She had a fantastic year last year. She learned a lot. She made friends. She learned some life skills, perfect setting for her where she is now. Mm. Public education, I know works for some people. So that's why I said teachers often get this rap that, well, they, you know, well, they're not there to babysit our children and they're not there to be kicked and hit. So I always want to acknowledge that that is people are like, well, that's what they signed up for. No, I really don't think anyone signs up for that. You know, so I always try to take that into consideration that that's on that side of it. it's very hard to deal with. I know at home struggling to deal with it, can't expect these people to deal with it. So that is my rambling point to that. So she's in a great place now. Public education is not for her and she probably will not return to it ever. <laughs> ever ever, ever. Yeah. what about you Kimmy I mean I would say overall our experience with school has been a positive one obviously she never went to public school from the get-go they knew that they couldn't handle her there so she went to the next level up which was a collaborative program it started off integrated for the first two years and then as she got older there wasn't any typical peers to put in the classroom they're obviously going to regular schools and stuff like that we had some incidences over the year like mo most of her teachers were really awesome they were really good to her they really seemed to enjoy having her and she thrived for the most part we did have some people that were like I don't know I want to say she was like 10 or 11 and like 
So then she started getting more particular about her clothes and they would just kind of make comments about like her clothes and they'd make comments about like, cause sometimes like she wouldn't let me brush her hair in the morning. So in the past, the teachers are like, don't worry about it. We'll brush her hair, hair. It's like one, you know, part of the EDLs that they work on. They want her in school. They're like, if it's going to be her hair brushed or her not coming to school, we want her in school. But this one particular teacher just kind of didn't see it that way. And she was just kind of stuck up. Like she was a good teacher to Alyssa. And I think she honestly had Alyssa's best interest at heart. But it's like, I'm not sending my child to school in the clothes I'm sending her because like, I just feel like it. Like she won't wear jeans. She won't wear dresses. Like she's not going to wear cute clothes. I would put them on her. She did. It's not like a money issue. Like I'd spend $500 tomorrow that I don't have if she would wear clothes. She won't wear them. I can't even get her to wear shorts. I can't get her to wear capri. She's wearing freaking pants right now in the 95 degree heat wave. Like she won't wear the other stuff. She wears what's comfortable for her. And like, yeah, sometimes it's kind of frumpy. And I'm sure if you follow my page and you go back, she wears all the same shirts. She wore all the same shirts for several years. She won't wear new things. So it's like a real struggle for us. And I think that's kind of like emotional for me because it made me feel like I was like a shit mother, basically. Sending my kid in, you know, maybe her hair's not brushed. Maybe her clothes not the cutest. I mean, her clothes are clean. I think they wanted to see her in like jeans and in tops and that wasn't happening here like and a lot of times I got the comments like oh well she does that here for us well lucky for you because you yeah. have a one to two ratio here so she's always been a one to two ratio one teacher two children I have a one to four ratio at my house <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a one to two ratio and sometimes it's a one to five because it could be other people or you know my husband can kind of be counted on that sometimes so no I'm just trying to get her out the door and get her to school she's maybe not going to do certain stuff to me that she would do for you like sometimes she wouldn't eat certain stuff the same teacher I have to give credit like she kind of got a list to eat a lot of fruits she was a healthy crunchy kind of person but she would pretend to eat stuff and Alyssa yeah. would want her stuff but it would really be for her but she would pretend it wasn't she would pretend it was her food there's a lot of hers I want to make clear okay so sorry call so, so the, the teacher, teacher Catherine the teacher would have this food that she wanted Alyssa to eat. She would have yeah. it in front of her as it was her food. I believe they probably one yeah. time gave her some of their food, like, you know, say it was Here's watermelon. a little ham sammy. Let's yeah. give her, yeah, let's give her some of this. And she ate it. And then it became like a thing where like she would want what they had. So then they would purposely have stuff for her to eat but would pretend it was their own food and then Alyssa would want it. But if you put that same stuff in front of Alyssa, she wouldn't touch it. So like, yeah. you know, I don't think that they had bad intentions towards me really but I just don't think they had a full understanding of like what went on in this house like I'm yeah. just trying to keep everybody alive at the end of the day like it's hard it's, oh she it's, has pants on take her <laughs> yeah like it's a struggle like Alyssa has always had an immense struggle with sleeping getting up in the morning was always just really difficult for her because she's tired she's not sleeping she's exhausted I mean every day would be a battle every day would be chanting screaming throwing herself down I mean I'd be in tears like it was like I put in a full eight hours before I even got her out of the house and she would she'd be an hour late an hour and a half late they had their little comments but it's like you don't know what I've just been through I've been through a war just to get her out the door and get her here yeah. and not because she didn't like school just because she was tired she was exhausted and now that she's older I call it school just because that's what's familiar to her but it's not school it's a day program and it's a lot different than school you know it makes me really appreciate and be grateful for the teachers that she had for the most part I have to say I'm very happy with you know some we really liked and some we loved but it, it makes me realize like all the stuff that they did do for Alyssa 
Mm-hmm. Now that she's in a different type of program, and not that her program's bad, it's more or less like a, you know they're there to supervise her and, and provide her with activities and like give her stuff to do more than teaching and nurturing her. So it's just a very different type of situation, and it's tough because there's a lot of workers at her place that there's a language barrier sometimes. She can't tell me anything. If I said, "Did somebody hit you?" she would say, "Yeah." If I said, "Was somebody nice to you?" in the same voice she would say yeah sometimes she has a big bruise on her leg and I don't know where it came from and it's like I try not to go there and she does bruise easy and I know that and she does throw herself around sometimes so like but she can't tell me you know and I try to ask her like did somebody hurt you and she goes yeah so it's like it's not really that helpful and it's just it's just so hard in your heart because it's like you really don't know and you care about the horrible stories sometimes and my only thing is like she gets up every day and she's happy to go to school she wants to go to school she's cut down to three days a week so I think that's even like helps her be more motivated to go so I don't obviously think she would want to go to school and Melissa doesn't do anything that she doesn't want to do but let's be <laughs> so I think if somebody was causing her harm She wouldn't go. But there are little things like she had an accident a few months ago and she does have very heavy periods. So sometimes she goes through clothes because she like leaks because she doesn't necessarily know to like go to the bathroom, take care of it. She'll just take care of it when she goes to the bathroom, if that makes sense. So, and I I said, there was nothing on the underwear. And they said, oh, it was a little urine. And Alyssa doesn't, I'm telling you, since she was three years old, She's never had an accident. She doesn't have accidents. This girl's got a bladder of steel. So the I'm thinking, are they not sending her to the bathroom? Because she's yeah. not going to go to the bathroom on her own. If it's to the point that she leaks, then she probably didn't get sent to the bathroom all day. So it's just hard because then it's like, then you got to talk to them about this, where it's like, they have to send her to the bathroom. You can't just, and some of them probably go independently, some of the other folks there, but she's not going to do that because she's prompt dependent so it's just that frustration with like constantly having to say you have to do this you have to give her reminders can we have a visual schedule like something like she's not gonna and then every once in a while she'll get like a a teacher that like I feel like knows her very well and then like they won't be I can tell when they're like switching staff and it's it's Mm -hmm. not the same it's just I feel like she deserves better but there's really nothing else out there at this time for her and she doesn't do well at home I mean she was home for four months around the pandemic it didn't go good people at all so it's like and she just turns to mush she's she gets unregulated she doesn't sleep I mean her sleep will just completely she won't sleep at all or she'll sleep like one in the afternoon to five in the afternoon her sleep was so messed up when you guys were all home I feel like there should be something better for her and there's just not that's just kind of where we're at she never went to public school they tried to get her back to public school I had a fight for about two years so they bring so what her was she was it like a private school they send them to because they can't go to public school or is it like a special school within the public school system so it's it's called a collaborative program so basically in this program they have like a program for the blind they have a program for the deaf they have a program for autistic and other cognitive delays and stuff like that and developmental disability so you're kind of put with kids that are it's not a private school I don't I don't think it would be considered a private school. I'm is not that really federally sure. funded like a public school? Like it's, but it's just an alternative. So the, so the school, I'm not really sure the school system has to pay for it. I know that, but I don't, it's not, I don't think it's like a private organization. Do you know what I mean? I think there's this still. Sounds, there's, in Minnesota, this sounds a lot like a level four, which is outside of the school building of any. But I don't think it's a level four because our level fours are like, would be like the May Institute or something like that. So that would be like. Okay, so, so in Minnesota, like, there's like levels between 
group home being level five, level four being like a totally separate, not integrated program. And then level three being somewhat integrated, but mostly in a room, two being totally integrated, one but being- So integrated. they don't have their own built. Well, they do have their own building, but that's just for like, I don't know who that's for. Alyssa and I went to that part of their program, but her classrooms were in the public schools. So like they rent space oh. in the schools. So like mm. she would be integrated, say at the cafeteria. She wouldn't do like, I think there are opportunities for them to do some, like they did the best buddy. So like then the typical pairs would come in and kind of like play games with them and you know do stuff like that so like they had some oh, yeah. opportunities for that but they did um, little jobs in the cafeteria when she was in high school where they like stock the milk and the cookies and like wipe the tables and she really like liked that too she it was kind of hard when she like went on the only problem was that she was always going on to like another place so like when she yeah. went into the next classroom it could be at another school but then you were in the classes for like three years at a time so like that was that was kind of helpful and then in her last two years, she did, they did a lot of like, she went to the YMCA and did a Zumba class. She went to PetSmart and like did like little jobs. They went to the Y and like clean toys. They did recycling. So they did a lot of community stuff. So it's kind of like a bridge of like what she's doing now. She still had this therapy, the special education teachers and like yeah. all that, if that makes sense. But the school wanted her back because at the time you got to go back 20 something years ago, they didn't have an autism classroom. Now they have autism classrooms doesn't necessarily mean that's the most appropriate fit for her because I'm gonna guess it still probably wouldn't have been but she would have probably had to like try it and like see what happened kind see of, what happened and kind of thing. I think that's yeah. the thing sometimes with our kids like it's not that we're not willing to try but it's like our kids get bounced around so much hmm. that sometimes it's like you make the decision just to keep your kid where they're at so they don't have to be bounced around and start all over again well like, that mm-hmm. Jamie is exactly what happened because when she turned 18 they said oh we have um they call it transitional classroom so they had two one that went from 18 to 20 one that went from 20 to 22 so Lisa was 19 at the time and so I went and I, I was trying to have an open mind so I went and I looked at the classroom and it was great it had a washer and dryer in it like they obviously did like you know it was a really nice classroom I really liked the teacher she seemed like a wonderful lady but when I looked at the kids they just weren't the same level as Alyssa. I'm like, yeah, this this is just not appropriate for her. But sometimes they don't care about what's appropriate. They care about what's going to save them money. And that is the that is the sad fact. Or they you get know? money. Yeah. Sometimes. Like if our kids are in their schools, they also get money for that. So sometimes they'll just stick them there, even though it's not the best fit. What about you, Tabs? I talked about this the last episode, but basically Nixon did nanny Montessori program, school with some developmental services, developmental preschool, and then COVID hit and the everything went virtual which was extremely terribly hard for him he loved his school program and leaving that was awful so then we started looking around at what other options there were that were still going to be open during covid um he we got on two wait lists for an in-clinic and a in-home aba services the in-clinic is what we ended up going with which I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast but my kids were in an ABA in-center clinic that was play-based it was kind of like preschool included with ABA type services and moving to the fall they're going to be going to here it's through everything's through the public school system but Nora will be in like an early learning center which is basically pre-developmental preschool which we have lots of high recommendations for and then Nixon will be entering kindergarten so their ABA program I mean you know people have feelings about ABA and it's what it is and what it is and um theirs 
program was ran by two parents who have children who are autistic and the program was really like kind of preschool based, you know, learning and play based and lots of group activities. They did both have a one-on-one the whole time. So I'm a little bit anxious about that with kindergarten starting, how that's going to function for Nixon. Um, He does really well in social settings, but attention and sitting and long activities and all of that is going to be challenging for him. And then also like just being on track with school for his age. He's worked really hard at numbers. He's really advanced when it comes to math but letters and reading he still struggles with. So we will see how it goes. We've had um, really great teachers for Nixon that have like just invested in him and wanted to learn about who he was as a person, modified the developmental preschool, I think was the best fit for him because they had visual schedules. They looked at each kid as an individual. His classroom only had six students in it and two paras. So they had a teacher and two paras in his developmental preschool. And he just excelled in that program. And they were always talking positively about him and how he was like a peer model for the other kids in the classroom because he's so social, like kind of brought them out of their shell, you know, so we've had really good people that you could tell they just like had a passion for learning about kids. We've also had terrible experiences, <laughs> uh, which I've had to, I'm not going to say which program, but I had to speak to the people about a certain person that was working with Nora specifically about talking about her as if she wasn't there in the space. And I just asked for them not to work with her anymore. But point blank, like, this isn't a good fit. Their energy isn't good. Like you can tell with both of my kids immediately if they are connected to someone and it's pointless for them to be with someone that is hard for them. Not that that's always an option, but like, I'm not going to send my kids into an environment where every day is a struggle for them because the energy isn't a match. You know, it's just worthless. Also treat my kids like human beings, please. Just putting that out there. This school series is a little ranty for me, but (laughs) I'm just saying that like my daughter is nonverbal. She understands the words that are coming out of your mouth and please don't speak about her as if she is a trouble to you because this is your job. You know, don't talk about her as, as if she's not in the room. And this just happened. I had a feeling that there was something going on with the energy. And so like, I kind of was like monitoring and popping in to the space. And then what happened is in their classroom, I kind of overheard some of the stuff that was being said. So I addressed it immediately and then specifically asked for that person not to work with my nonverbal daughter, maybe someone, a kid who has the ability to speak or, you know, something would be more appropriate, but for her, She can't tell me if someone's being mean to her or if she's uncomfortable with them or any of that. I find, and even Nixon, he can't tell me if someone hurt him or if his feelings were hurt. Usually it comes out in scripting. You kind of have to guess. Months Um, later. Yeah. So either one of them, it's terrifying to put them in the hands of, of somebody else when they can't specifically say even other kids that their feelings were hurt or that someone was mean to them or like Jen's situation where there was bullying going on, you know, all of that is just really scary stuff. So yeah, it's the, it's so hard. That's like, yeah, it's just the hardest part. Even like you said, like, even when they're verbal, sometimes it's hard, but 
at least you can kind of ask them questions and get something out of them when they're nonverbal. It's like, yeah, well, Nixon won't answer a direct question. Like he got bit by another student, uh, a mark on his shoulder, and there was no like report about it or anything. And I was like, what the hell? You could see the teeth marks. And then I asked him what happens. He can't tell you anything about it, yeah. you know, like not how he got hurt, not how he got the mark nothing i mean not, literally not when not, any not a not an answer to the question so like he can't answer direct questions like that even being verbal but even more so scary with nora because at least with nixon he can say things where i can cue in that he had a hard day something's off yeah yeah something's off but with her it's it's pretty much just like her energy you have to like feel the vibe and that could be land anywhere does she have a headache or a stomach ache or it <laughs> was it a bad day did she not like the person she was with who knows so yeah. it's just rock? so much trust on our part to put it yeah. to people and I think there's like this challenging part about it that if you ask a question about something like with that situation with Nora I asked like how long have they been here how long have they been with my daughter? Do they understand that she has a high receptive language? And even if she didn't, like probably shouldn't be talking about her that way. Yeah. If you're working with kids in this environment, period. And it wasn't terrible. It just was something that I didn't like her internalizing about herself, you know, like that she's a trouble or that she's a bother, whatever the case may be. So I think there's this thought that, you shouldn't be asking those type of questions, but it's our job to do that. I'm not prying because I think you're doing something wrong. I'm prying because I need to protect my children from experiences that other people might not understand. Yeah. I think Amanda made a good point. And like back to the, I'm done with Rachel Flanagan is done with the question mark. Like I'm declare. You can say to any provider, I need data about this. I need to see the certain parts of what's going on. I can understand if somebody is Celie's aid, like in particular has a love for her, understands her, watches her, watches, not like time clock watches, because they would know that when she clenches her fist or when she breathes a certain way, or when she's fixing a bolt, when her eyes get dirty, like there are so many things. I mean, like you can feel it. You can feel the energy for sure immediately. And Tabs, like, I think it's important to know that when our kids, like we have such a range of children ages for our kids, but I relate to you and Jane in that series seven, you know, it is early in the game to be making Seely go through a challenging relationship. Like yeah, when my kid is 15 years old or capable of certain parts of her goals or whatever she is at a particular time, it might be great that she has a teacher that she doesn't love. They might push her in a way that somebody wouldn't. There might be a point to a different chemistry, but no, I pull the freaking plug. Yeah. Like the way that I relate it is if you have like a coworker that you have to spend the whole day with, who's like angry or talking about the employment experience and how it just changes your own energy about your job, you know, or yeah. like a friendship that's like really like a drag and <laughs> like that you realize later that that person's energy kind of spills onto you, like our kids are heightened in their experiences with others. And so it puts a damper on them. If the relationship isn't good, it puts a damper on their entire day or experience. So uh, it's hard. And then I have to say, please just hard pass. 
we got to do something different here. Just going with the hard pass. I, I just can't. I can't. Someone was talking about a provider, and you know, I said early on with teachers and paras, we call them EAs. She's had some fantastic teachers and some fantastic EAs. She's had some really crappy ones as well. So it, it, it you know, it's kind of like you said, you just either get lucky or you don't. We've had both, like to the extreme, both. You know? Yeah. But you can have someone who's trained like really well, which is rare in the school system, but someone who's trained really well, but they just like don't mesh with your kid or they have like mm-hmm. a, a bad personality for who your child is. And then you have someone who has no training and they're like fantastic with your kid and yeah. your kid really like meshes with them. So it's just like, it really is a luck of a job because our children are human beings with their own feelings and thoughts and personalities. And that might work with one kid, might not work with another kid. So it's all over the place. Well, I right. think our kids are really sensitive to um well I know Alyssa is too it's like who she clicks with is who she clicks with like and that's it she either clicks at you or she doesn't click with you like there's there's no Jesse doesn't like you within 30 seconds (laughs) he doesn't like and it's and he'll and he'll be like I don't like him (laughs) (laughs) I'm Celia and I don't like you (laughs) yeah Nora's definitely like that Nixon he can click with most people but if he doesn't it's like no not not happening not happening yeah Nora is warmer not warm <laughs> she makes her opinions quick about people I think what about you and Celie you know I talked in the last episode about how for us I think it was probably like three to 16 months for every transition for us historically through her whole life you know there's just some big shift that house burning down or the school closing or this happening or that thing you know it's like what the fact that it started out with a house burning down I mean flags red flags red flags anyways the thing about it for us and like you know this pull the plug idea or this the the language that I've sometimes used is kicked out that we are seldom actually excused out of the place because when that vibe is gone it's over it's over it is over and by Celie by history we can say that she may get aggressive called Mr. Principal she may throw a filing cabinet. She has ways of communicating like this is over for me too. <laughs> or this, this is not a good fit. Crystal clear communication, in fact. <laughs> for us, I've talked about, this is a little touchy for me to talk about. So I hope to not offend somebody, but I have to say that I believe that Celie's particular skill scatter makes it hard. I'm going to give that crutch to the people that have been on our teams, but I've carried so much hope for each team that has come to us. And by team, I mean like the school system. You know, it's not just this glorious teacher because she's had two teachers in public school, both glorious. They both had paras or EAs in Canada or whatever it is in your bill, several in the room, really great chemistry with most of those relationships and people. My hope and understanding is that a team approaching my kid, like there might be one that cares about her hand being tight. There might be one that notices she's fixing to run. There might be one that like handles her because they're more tough. Like this foster mom who can just say the words go to bed and my kid does like one of those strong arm kind of people that have this graceful touch of wizardry. Uh, it's like, I'll save that for the no reservations, but I've always had this hope that all of the skills within these three or five people are going to match what I already know about my kid and what I can do instinctively or by learned behavior or by learned like skill set to meet her where she's at that that most of those things will be held by this team and I feel 
over time. And maybe it's just like the same as what just happened to Billy and I, that like the strength of it breaks down over time. I don't know. I feel like the crux of our problem is always that we fall and falter in this idea of the least restrictive environment. For me personally, as an anxious mom who has just been through possibly like several years of crisis in a row with like out breathing, this least restrictive thing is the opposite of, from my view and heart, most supportive. I would like to have the most supportive environment for my daughter so that she could thrive, so that she could stay safe so that she could be challenged in her strengths, whether that's age appropriate or not. Meaning if she has a strength of a 12-year-old because she's wicked good at X, Y, Z, like RuPaul makeup, for instance, or arithmetic or whatever a 12-year-old is into, like she at that level. But so often parts of her are held back while the others are supported or less than because of her strengths, you can be swindled into thinking she doesn't need support. Mic drop. Really though, I mean, seriously, right now we're about to do another evaluation for another goddamn school system. In our current time, we've decided that it's better for her to be evaluated by the public school, go to second grade in whatever setting they see fit and be supported at home with at-home ABA than it is for us to stay at ABA clinic that is like inconsistent because it's hard to staff a team during a pandemic, like it's the best option for us. And so we just have to give faith again and have hope again that this team will support her strengths, weaknesses, struggles, like the whole thing. And don't even get me started on the fact that these places support us and our families with things like visual. I'm sorry, I just don't want to turn this episode off because I can't get this out. We have things like social stories. Hey kids, this yellow bus is going to come pick you up down a sidewalk. So like my kids expecting A, us to install a sidewalk, B, for it not to be a white bus or a white van. Like you can't support the story if the tools aren't there. Like it's just welcome to school. Welcome to school. It's a white van. Good luck. <laughs> like she's going to need a harness in your white van, mofo. It's been like that. It's been like that. Mofo. Anxious. I'm late summer anxious. <laughs> uh, me too. <laughs> we need a shirt that says that. Late Starting summer to... anxious. <laughs> As it's popping up in the Flannerville store right this moment. <laughs> every, yeah. every person. Kim, you look hot right now. Sexy hair. I hope one day in like 2026, when we need some episodes, we relaunch these as videos so that all the people can see my double birds in the mystery place that I put them in. <laughs> That's nonverbal communication while I was verbally communicating. And now Kim looks absolute rocker. 80s, 80s hair yeah. going on. Jane, what about you, girl? What about you? Raise your hand. <laughs> School's been delightful. Just kidding. So it's been a whole up and down thing with us too. I mean, we started at the developmental preschool. We had a really great special ed teacher who I've talked about before who I kind of asked, but I was just like talking to her and I was like, well, we don't know. We're trying to figure it out. And she's like, it's autism. And so I'm really grateful for her. And she was amazing. And I'm so grateful we met her. But the rest of that preschool experience was kind of hard because in our state, even though now that preschool is part of the public schools you don't have to have a teaching license or a teaching degree to be a preschool teacher which Let is how your mama what in most places it's like that you don't have For to real yeah so you can um so I will actually say Jesse's first teacher we had was like that she didn't have a degree in teaching but she was really great 
Um, but there's also like that side to it. It's like, she just didn't really, she wasn't trained in how to like handle the situation within a developmental preschool too. Like, and we didn't have anything like may go wrong or anything, but I feel like there was a lack of communication. There was like a lack of, I mean, with the school on whole, I was like, why is it just protocol to like send home this and that? And the same thing with that teacher, there were some things great about her. Like she shared the lesson plans and like where the, what they should be learning and what they are learning. And that was nice. Cause I could be like, okay, this is where he's supposed to be at. And he's not there. The second year we did have a really great teacher who was a, a licensed teacher and her mom had been a special education teacher and she was amazing. And she would talk to her mom about like ideas for Jesse. And I really appreciated that. But overall, I just didn't feel like the school was as supportive as I thought it was going to be. And so then going into kindergarten, I did not feel like he was ready for kindergarten and this little pandemic thing happened. So his last year of preschool got cut short and we did like 20 minutes of virtual learning with the class, which was like funny and cute because that's just a bunch of little kids on laptops. (laughs) Crazy. And from there for that summer, we'd started ABA kind of like tabs did. And I've talked about ABA before and like, again, I can't defend all of ABA. I've heard horrible stories from people like recently we've had friends who have told us things that have happened that I'm like oh my gosh we vetted this place we put him in to ABA and through that summer and then when it was time to go to kindergarten at the last minute we pulled out of kindergarten his BCBA was wonderful and she was like I don't think he's ready for kindergarten because that was the first time he had been all day somewhere was at this program it was six hours a day he'd be three hours with one therapist three hours with another and they started this program there that was ABA but it was um, a school school readiness program. So it's like he was going to school, but at an ABA center. And so normally your insurance isn't going to cover ABA. Like my son's therapist in general can't like help him with his homework because that's separate. That's something that the school should be fulfilling. So like insurance for people that don't know, isn't going to fulfill it. But this, since this program was like really the setup of like school readiness in the way that the work is part of what they're doing, that's not uh, measured when like him sitting still is measured, him raising oh, yeah. his hands measured, like the but behavior. But are you saying that they would still be going over like a typical preschool lesson, but they're testing the sitting? Yeah, they're not like, yeah, he's not getting graded on his work necessarily, yeah. but they did teach Just him practice. pencil and all this stuff. Like, so he's like practicing for school. Mm-hmm. So that was perfect for us. For one, he could go because here everything was virtual. Yes. I mean, that did not work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'm not... The best, especially when I had a little toddler also running around. Yes. Yeah. It did not work for us either, Jamie. So like was poor Jesse was just being like shoved in from the TV a lot because I have a toddler who's like also trying to get into things. And then if he's not somewhere where he's safe, then he's getting into something also. So it's like having Plus, this last year, like a year and a half ago, 2020. Yeah. You were meeting some fabulous friends. You had things to do. I was busy. My husband will tell you all about it. How I (laughs) discovered Zoom. (laughs) I now know how to Zoom. Table for five brought to you by Zoom. (laughs) Zoom, contact us. (laughs) So then, so Jesse went into kindergarten a year late, which was really hard for me. I was heartbroken about it. He's basically a year older than all his peers because his birthday is kind of early on in the set of like dates or whatever they 
put for all that. And so like, I just felt weird about it. And in my mind still, I feel like he's even more behind because he's technically a year older, all his kids. And that's still hard for me. I'm not going to lie, but I'm so glad I did that. He was not ready for kindergarten. He needed that practice. And now last year he was in a, his public school for kindergarten. We were very lucky that our school district has autism program in a few of the elementary schools. Mm-hmm. The school literally down the street for us is one of the, like, I think two or three schools and our school district's huge. So one of the two or three schools that do that. So that's been great. I'm glad now to be in a school that we're supposed to be in. I don't, we might move. I don't know, but we're supposed to be in for the next like five years that like, he'll be with a consistent special ed teacher mm-hmm. um, she moves or anything like that. Like all that stuff, of course, always happens, but it's like, he never gets the time for people to really get to know him. Cause it takes so long for him to warm up to people. Yes. That's my biggest concern about public school is like, even in this program. So the whole point of this autism program, which is great is to like, they're in different level classrooms. So there's a one to two level classroom and then a two to three level classroom autism rooms. And their goal is to like slowly work them into the classroom throughout the years they're at that school. And part of me is like, I'm grateful for that. Cause he does get some time in general education, which is good for Jesse, but I'm so worried of them shoving him out of that program too fast. And he would just get lost in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And once again, like Jen was saying at the beginning, like paras and teachers are amazing. They will be the first to tell you they don't have the support from the school system, mm-hmm. from the district to help our kids all the time. And they're yeah. not set up for this. And a lot of them are not trained in autism or neurodiverse children. They just aren't trained in that. Unless a lot of them, it's like elective if they want to even take training in that. And it's not that much. So I don't know. It's like really hard for me because I'm always so fearful of the future. I don't think I could ever homeschool. I think if I could homeschool, it'd be at this age. I don't feel like I have the patience or the smarts to do much older, but I'm really afraid of middle school, like super afraid that like, I don't even want him to go. And we're, we've kind of researched private middle schools. It's just, we don't really have the funds to pay for a private school. We need the commune. Her EA said to me, you do not want to send her to high school. You do not want her going to, and Kaya's caregiver does EA stuff. And she's like, oh, it's so bad in high school. It's, they just fall through every crack there is to fall through. You think they fall through it when they're younger. I feel like, and Kimmy can probably attest to it. I feel like it actually gets a little bit worse as they get older. Oh, is you this know, a motivational like, speech? What the f- Welcome to our TED Talk. We are just so uplifting at this table oh over the school God. stuff. Oh my God. I'll say it again. School. When the teachers are great and, and you know, when your kid asks the teacher if she could that slow kiss in his ear, I mean, that's a fantastic teacher that can just <laughs> keep on teaching that algebra, you know? And he was a good one. It's like he was the last episode yeah. where it's like, Jesse's in that in between. So he, yes. he in my mind, I Nixon know for he will likely end up in a typical classroom mm-hmm. on his own. That's going to happen, whether it's fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. And that's the thing that scares me about middle school and high school. I actually don't know exactly how the middle schools are set up now, but in high school, it's like, if you're more severe, I'm not saying you're fine. You're still somewhat amongst the general population, but you're in a room, you're separate from where else. I'm so scared about my son being in high school with like these kids who were like Mm -hmm. bully him and he wouldn't realize they're terrifying scares the crap out of me and so I don't I just never feel settled I'm always worried and I don't think the staff at schools and stuff understand like that like that that we're always thinking 10 steps ahead we're always worried our kids can't tell us things it's just never my daughter is seven and I said to Billy the other day we're gonna blink and she's gonna age out and he's like 
she just did her own ponytail. It's like, <laughs> stop it. Well, <laughs> and maybe by the time he gets to high school, they'll have another, like, because here they do have, they like the room that they wanted to put Alyssa in would probably be appropriate for Jesse. Not appropriate for Alyssa. <laughs> probably for, because think- then they, they, they do mainstream. So those kids do go to regular classes depending I'm on- I'm sure there's something kind time. of like that, but it's still like, I mean, already I they're already talking about him being on his own and stuff and I'm and there's also like and I do realize that too like I talked about the last episode being kind of a crazy mom and not being like oh let's test my kid and see where he's at but we've already had things like that like his typical classroom teacher was like oh Jesse's fine in here he does this and she's like and I he looks like he's listening with the other kids and stuff and I'm like yeah he looks like that but he's not comprehending anything and he's just sitting there and I get worried because Jesse's just tricky he could feel, fit yeah. in a typical classroom. Yes, I feel that is with anything all my going heart. in. Yeah. He, and I also say, like, my kid hates school. <laughs> it's <kind of laughs> awful. Like, when he's at school, his parents, who we, one of his parents who we love, she's like, he's fine when he's here. It's getting him in the door and stuff. My kid wants to sit at home all day. <laughs> he wants to be on his butt. He's lazy like his mother. So <laughs> that also adds another element to it where I literally just hate sending him to school because he just hates. Yeah. It's organized education. <laughs> I think kids were maybe like that kid, will cause enough behaviors that they'll put him put him in a different. But that's the thing. He just gets mopey and mad. Like he'll just sit there and he's just like, "Ugh, I hate this." And he'll say, "I don't want to do this. I hate this." Wow. Oh my gosh, I feel you so much because I think Jesse and Nixon are so similar mm-hmm. in that way. Like where depending on the day, they can present as if they're matched with their peers sometimes. Not all the times, but you know what I mean? Like, because he looks like it. If you actually yeah. test something or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I worry about that with Nixon too, because he could like be pushed into a situation that isn't working. Well, even special teacher this year, she was already at the beginning of the year, like, oh no, I think he's good. And I'm like, oh no, this kid's going to pretend for half the year. And then he'll show you uh-huh. his job. And that's the problem too. So he'll be like. He could be sitting in that typical classroom with probably like right now he needs a para when he's in the typical classroom, but he can be sitting in there doing fine, 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 fine. And then two months later, he snaps one day and the teacher's like, I don't know where this came from. And I'm like, this is what he does. Cause he's warming up to you. Welcome to comfortable. I'm comfortable enough to freak out. Mm-hmm. And then all the kids around him are like, holy crap. What's, you know, and that, I don't know. The kids make me the saddest and scared. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I know this isn't about inclusion, so I'm not, I'm not going to ramble too much about it, but what you were just saying, Jamie, or uh, a Celie with a file cabinet or any of those things. So I always have this love-hate relationship with the whole inclusion thing because she has had her peers witness her tear a classroom upside down, right? throw desks, throw chairs, scream bloody murder, get into the fetal position, rocking in a chair, sobbing, uncontrollably so yeah, it's where like they need to be evacuated yeah so it's like pushing yeah. them into a, a setting that they're not they shouldn't be in I mean just like you said like she can sit there and she can mask it and she can take it for as long as she can take it but that switch of whatever it is and it's like and we've arrived you know so it's not always the best fit well and sometimes it's when they get home too yeah it's like the whole day totally fine at school but then they get home and it's like let the fire hose spray (laughs) or you know like all the stuff they've been holding in the entire day and you can tell that it's just too much you know we all do just you can't regulate it's like a whole nother level yeah for their safety and they're gonna give it all and that happened Mm. a lot with lexi and she's not autistic but she has the adhd 
And when she was younger, I mean, she would be up. I would literally, we used to joke and be like, oh, there's Lexi on the floor. We just like step over her because anything that happened at home, she would just be like so emotional and she just couldn't like deal oh. with it. And at school, they're like, that's really? Because we don't see that type of behavior at all. And I'm like, well, she saves it for us, I guess. I don't know. Alyssa, on the other hand, she ain't faking for anybody. <laughs> so you've all come to the table true, for true uplifting school advice we are here for it yeah, we have sorry. valuable yeah. things to if you to. want some good tips go back to episode one we've had some really great things and yes it's hard because with our typical kids you don't even think about some of these things because it goes fine and that's yes. how it is and so we don't always think to like appreciate the little things that like, I mean, my son has great teachers. I'm grateful for the people. I'm grateful for all, every pair he's ever had. I remember the first year he went to school, I bought Christmas gifts for all those people because so much weight had been lifted off my shoulder. Uh -huh. I was so alone and isolated that I'm trying to teach this kid how to cut with scissors. I'm trying, I'm trying to get him to catch up on my own and sending him to school yeah. where these people were like so kind and actually helping my kid was amazing. But there's also like a lot of fears and a lot of things that educators and teachers don't always understand that where the parent's coming from because they're seeing the other side of it. The number of people I've had to really explain, like, I have no clue what happens in your classroom all day. Yeah. You have to tell me. My kid's not telling me anything. I don't know if he went to the bathroom. I don't know if he ate or just yeah. sat part of his food and just threw it away. You have to tell me these things because I have no clue. And so it's just, I don't know. It's a lot of good but there can be bad. And we're all, we hear all the stories. We hear stories like Jen's and we live in fear of that because our kids mm -hmm. are obviously really freaking important to us. Yeah. Well, and too, like we, on the flip side, we can't understand the teachers or the pairs or their experience or what barriers they're up against with the yeah. school systems and the money and the lack of resources and the other, you know, I mean, if you're, trying to teach and you don't have enough resources provided to your training or anything and you have 10 parents like us coming in guns a blazing like oh I mean God. it's sure I'm sure it's just as challenging on that side but for a different way I mean no matter what if something's going down with my kids you're gonna hear about it I'm sorry but that's just the way it's gonna go but I do understand like I talk a lot about how things should be but I understand that there's circles of things preventing it from being a perfect case scenario for our kids to be in every system out there. Although we should fix that people. How hard for them? And they're just coming out of this pandemic where they're doing online schooling mm -hmm. and like the whole work. There's a couple of things that just strike me. I feel like maybe when there's a traditional learning path, let's take math, for instance, and I'm not going to put this in the order that's correct because really I was a hairdresser and all you need to know is like one inch little darker, little lighter, like this is the math I need. Let's say there's like adding and subtracting, then you multiply and divide, and then you this, and then there's like this natural progression. So when a kid is struggling, you can look back and think like, oh, if you can't divide, then maybe multiplying didn't make very much sense to you. Like there's this train backwards to link this skill set to. When you're dealing with kids like ours, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but I feel like Many of the milestones that Seeley missed or that don't come naturally to Seeley because they became the markers on the spectrum or they're like how autism affects her. We set specific and tailored goals to achieve baseline, like back to baseline or growth in that or strategies to help support or whatever. 
Well, now my kid is seven years old. Some of the things that she's achieved is that she is verbal. It may not be functional language, but she is verbal. She does not get credit in the backwards of the math. Like people don't see that she has more understanding than she can bring back to you or that she's using your direct words or that you are Doc McStuffins and you are hearing her rendition of whatever, like that you're playing a role. She doesn't get credit for all of the lessons she learned. She doesn't get credit for learning how to work in imagination. So I feel like when you see that her struggle isn't particularly in like a lane, it doesn't mean that she isn't struggling. It then falls into masking and then falls into like all the other layers. It's just, it's complicated. Whereas you would take for granted that somebody knows how to add, subtract, multiply, then this and this and this, you know, I, I don't know. I, that part's hard for me. Additionally, I think that I don't know if any of us have specifically articulated. And so I feel like I have to, in regards to Arville, we have had great teachers. We have not had teachers that have had support behind them. It's the very same way that we've had some great medical professionals referring to services that don't exist or are inaccessible. So my feeling that we're falling through the cracks has less to do with what Celie's doing at 9.30 on a Monday morning for the person who's delivering said service than it does the access to, because there's often somebody counting numbers behind them. There's often an administration that only sees Celie as a file or like a line on a spreadsheet, but our kids are so worthy of the access and there's so much more than a budget number. And it's so frustrating to live in this, in particular in school, because you have to do it every 12 month, every year for 12 years. Like it is something. I mean, it's really something. Or 21 years or whatever that you have access to. Anyways, thank you, teachers, <laughs> off school districts. Because we know that there's like the, the hitches that... I'm an American. I can read the idea. I know that there's federal money sitting in a bucket someplace. I know that there's supports for my kids. Go access that sh- and get her the fidget at her desk and get another para, all to save us from needing to go into residential care that'll cost the state tons of money. I mean, help us. Oi. Uh, thank you, teachers. F off everybody else is how I <laughs> Well, you know, on that note. <laughs> Happy school year. Good luck to everyone going into school. Listen to the first episode with Amanda. <laughs> if you haven't, oh, yeah. 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 Going in. but also just be ready to speak up for your kid and don't be afraid to ask for what you want and need. The worst they can tell you is no and figure it out from there, but always ask for communication and you can always email us at table for fun podcast at gmail.com. Don't email you me, want. you'll get a bunch of whistles. Just <laughs> I will end with, it's one of the biggest regrets I have in this journey uh, thus far is that I did not speak up sooner when she was in kindergarten, believe it or not. So follow your gut. If something doesn't seem right, like Jamie said, you it is you have every right to ask, observe, question, all of it. Yeah. Have a great Monday, everyone. Bye. Thank you for joining us at the table for this episode of the Table for Five No Reservations podcast. Join us next Monday for more. And while you wait, make sure to check out our content on Facebook and Instagram. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure to subscribe and rate and review us wherever you listen. To contact us, you can email us at tableforfivepodcasts at gmail.com. We can't wait to sit with you again. See you next time.